Tonight's episode of Midnight Cheese is sponsored by Pepper Jack. Pepper Jack Cheese, get your pepper on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is episode number 12. This is going to be a doozy, if you will. Um... So this has been very relieving that I've been able to do this podcast with such freedom now without worrying about mistakes, without having to worry about editing um, and all the fucking shit that goes into making a podcast. Um, I used to have to write shit out. No more. Nope. I'm not doing that no more. I think shooting from the hip is I mean, I had so much fun doing last week's episode it's been a while i've been i think it's been almost a week since i did my last episode and you know i'm sometimes you run out of shit to say and sometimes even for someone like myself who talks a lot it's it's kind of hard to come up with original content about shit so I'm almost, I don't want to do this a lot. Like I'm not going to be trying to do like news updates or what I think about certain events that current events that, uh, happened already. I think I'm just gonna be more free flowing. Um, you know, a lot of the political stuff and a lot of the serious stuff and the shit that's happening in today's news. I think we all know about the coronavirus. Um, you know, politics is what politics is. I'm very opinionated about politics. I think if you are friends with me on Facebook, I post a lot of shit about what I feel and that's where you get that. That's not what this is for. So that serious shit, the the stuff that we always kind of have to think about in our day-to-day life, that goes out the window. You have clicked on the Midnight Cheese Podcast. I am your host, Tom Osborne. So we're going to go along on this journey of just talking about shit I want to talk about. Now, hopefully you guys can join in in this conversation. I want you to. Come be a part of my show. I think that would be fucking dope. But for now, today's episode um, is going to be a little bit more rants. Uh, I did last week talk about how... Um, I had a disdain for like the sequels and the, and the reboots and the remakes that they're doing in Hollywood. I did want to clarify on that because after listening to the podcast and thinking about it, um, I think I actually enjoy sequels more than the original on certain occasions. Now reboots and remakes is really where that was coming from. My hatred for that sequels. I'm okay with. Um, in fact, I did want to go over with you guys a couple different of my favorite sequels out there. In fact, one of them is my I think all-time favorite movie, uh, Terminator 2, in my opinion, surpasses everything Terminator 1 did, visually, story-wise, conceptual-wise, acting. I mean, given Arnold was very new to the language and was very uh, stiff in the first movie, which why it worked as the robotic uh, uh, Terminator sent from the future to kill Sarah Connor, but the sequel, Terminator 2, I mean, I still watch this today, and the graphics hold up it feels more proppy yes they were used first ones to really use the cgi effects that uh we are accustomed to today today but i watched terminator dark fate now don't get me wrong um i i first had harsh feelings towards this movie but after talking it over with my wife and because i was going to do a whole show about why they keep on ruining the terminator franchise and we talked it out and i kind kind of flipped my position and that's what I do when I when I talk it out. And if you are right, I have no problem admitting that I'm wrong. However, 99.9% of the time, I think I'm right. So, fuck you. But when we were talking about Terminator Dark Fate, the newest Terminator movie to come out, I was still very upset that they shat all over the first two movies. Um, my biggest problem was with Genesis because Genesis overrid everything Terminator 1, 2, 3, and Salvation set up for us to do. It tried to create a whole new storyline with a whole new version of what happened, but it flopped because it shat on what made Terminator so great. And it tried to invent, reinvent it, which was terrible. But now that we had James Cameron at least producing, um, or at least his team produced the movie, uh, Dark Fate, um, I felt that it was going to be more of a continuation, and that's what he said it was going to be. It's going to be right when 2 picks up, and if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert i'm going to let you know right now i'm going to spoil some shit um because in the very first part of terminator dark fate uh john connor dies boom spoiler but if you think about it 
um, Terminator Dark Fate really just is a continuation of two. So all it does is eliminate the third movie and eliminate Salvation, uh, which is I'm perfectly fine with. Number three was just a cash grab and um, recall of all the old jokes, and it really didn't set anything or do anything because eventually term, uh, Judgment Day still happened. Um, but Dark Fate did a pretty good job of not erasing the first two movies because Sarah Connor is alive and is helping hunt Terminators. So we still, she still knows of a future that doesn't exist now. And so that's why after talking it over with my wife, I'm cool with dark fate and I'm cool if they want to make more movies and have a little bit more explanation, maybe set in the future. I don't know, but they could do a lot now because they did not just reinvent or reboot. They added and took it in a different direction, which I'm okay with if that direction makes sense. Um, I'm a big fan of everything that Terminator 2 did to set the those standard for action movies um, because it showed that you can have a story that is sci-fi, far-fetched, um, just made-up fiction, you know, um, and have it still work where you can have theories and plausibly explain how shit happens, um, but the hatred I had for Genesis, um, which is really where all this stems from, because I was super excited for Genesis. Um, it was the first Terminator movie since I think salvation. I know they did the TV show, which I absolutely love the TV show. I felt that they had, um, Lena Henley. I think that's her name. Uh, Cersei from game of Thrones, probably you know her best. She played Sarah Connor and they kind of, since we, the third movie kills off Sarah Connor through leukemia, like, it wasn't a Terminator that got her, it was just a sickness, and she lasted a lot longer than the doctors thought, yada, yada, yada. But since they killed her um, in the TV show, they override that by taking her to a future where she doesn't die, which is just jumping five years ahead, so where she doesn't get leukemia, and she ends up being aware of it, so she's more able to kind of kill it before it even gets there, and she's very aware of it, so... Um, the TV show was good, though. Only had two seasons. Was very much a drama-filled show. And they kind of did shit in the second season all over the storylines. And because none of the shit that they did was canon, apparently. And now, doesn't matter. Because Dark Fate overrides everything after two. So, but Genesis um, really was supposed to be this brand new story. And if they did it right, they could have pulled this off. However, the casting of John Connor. I don't know who this guy is. He's in a bunch of stuff. He was in like zero dark 30, very military prone guy. Looks like a rough tug guy, but did not have the rebelliousness or the leadership or anything that when you think of John Connor, I don't know who else they could have gotten to play, but this was the scraping of the barrel because Genesis turned John Connor into the, into the villain, into the bad guy, into the Terminator. Um, and, Genesis just basically said everything you knew about Terminator is overridden the moment Kyle Reese goes back into time because when he goes back into time, he's going back into a time, uh, a, a, a past that is not the same past that we think it is. So in this transfer of time, he's getting two memories, one of the one he was supposed to go to, the one we know from Terminator 1. And then he gets overridden because uh, Skynet, which is now called Genesis, actually sent back a Terminator to try to kill Sarah Connor as a child. When she did that, Pops, who is now the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, is now a friendly and like lives in this world and like raises her. So he prepares her for the Kyle Reese arrival now and has to now explain to Kyle that he's not in the past that he thought he was going to go to. And so as soon as that happened, I was in the movie theater and I was kind of pumped up with this. You had, um, uh, I can't remember her name right now for some reason, but Khaleesi, um, you had her playing Sarah Connor. Um, you had Varro from Spartacus playing Kyle Reese and all the same familiar faces are there. Um, you know, good call back to the other ones, but it was more of a sense that once you told me in that movie that now my favorite action fuck that like top five favorite all-time movie now doesn't matter we're now going in a world where now that doesn't matter and they're going to try to recreate shit fuck that i'm sorry as soon as i saw that i almost wanted to walk out of the theater but i'm never i've never walked out of a movie in the theater not even once i paid for this i might as well fucking see it but 
I almost did. And that was the first time I ever felt that I had to just to show up. I mean, I'm so happy it doesn't get a sequel. Um, the bad acting, the bad directing, bad everything. And that's why I think Dark Fate really did a good job of picking up the reason why Terminator is so good. And it's not about the visual effects. And it sucked in Dark Fate. No, I mean, I'm going to rip that one. I'm going to give that a fucking ding, a thumbs down. Um, give that a down, you know. So that was terrible. When they would go from live action into the CGI, it was worse than anything Terminator 2 did. I mean, that was done in 1992. This is 2020, and you can't get a movie that makes it look real enough. CGI has almost gone downhill now because we have 4K TVs and we have the technology to unmask the shit that they used to do to trick us and thinking it was good graphics. Um, I got in a debate with a coworker about how some movies just need to be in standard definition So because the CGI is so bad, at least the standard definition makes it look good kind of agree with him on this one it was bad super bad like there's a point where he's jumping off of the truck and you see him and it's the actor who was a meh actor i mean at least robert patrick in the second one had personality uh he would smile and wink and he was kind of like witty with it you know this guy was just straight-faced and serious all the time but uh he when he jumps off the the truck that he's chasing um the good guys in um, you can just see right when they do the CGI. It's almost like the rock in Scorpion King. Like it's so obvious that it's not the actor at least have the actor do part of the stunt. And then the scenes where he's like liquefying or changing everything, do it on him. Just be better. I don't know. It just seems weird that they can't do anything more. I mean, some movies can and some movies can't, which is weird because it's James Cameron, but she has motherfucking time to do seven fucking avatar movies, but can't make sure the graphics in his Terminator movie are good. Anyway, digress this is what happens i'm so passionate about the terminator saga uh i remember watching terminator one as a kid and the scene where he's picking out his eye to fix the eye because it got damaged and to like fix his, his face and his arm i was like man i've never seen anything like that i thought it was real i mean looking back at it now you can just straight tell it's it's a, a prosthetic it, uh pros fuck, i'm not gonna say it um it, it's fake but it's like a puppet but um, back in the, you know, the early 90s, no one's ever seen that shit before. And I, I do remember watching Terminator 1 after Terminator 2 because I, I do remember that Terminator 2 was the first rated R movie that my parents were actually okay with me seeing. Um, of course, Terminator 1 has the, the sex scene, which is why they didn't want me to watch that one. For some reason, they're okay with gratuitous violence, but sex wasn't okay. I mean, shit. God, we're over that. But when I saw Terminator 2, I remember it was in the afternoon, it was in August, it was on VHS, and I was eating a hamburger. That's how much that movie impacted me. Um, and so when I, I remember watching that, of course, I didn't care about the story at that time. I was a kid. The time traveling, I mean, I couldn't even think about that. I was more like, oh, my God, that looks real. And, oh, my God, like when he gets shot with the shotgun in the mall, uh, the T-1000 and, and the liquids all like morphing back. Like no one's ever seen that shit before. My parents knew that this movie was going to blow me away. Um, of course, it led to me watching movies like Speed and Terminator 1, of course. I had to see now why. But also I knew it was fantasy and it was fake. And I, my parents saw I loved movies at that time. So they were just like, if he understands it's fake and to not repeat the curse words that were in it i think you can watch them which i did of course i repeated the curse words uh, many a time since and i think that's why i love the word fuck i mean shit <laughs> so but terminator 2 is I, I mean i still almost want to do a whole show dedicated just to that and my love for it and i think this just may be it but Terminator 2 still to this day, I mean, I have the 4K blue, uh, UHD Blu-ray. I have the DVD. I have it in digital. Um, I, I do the, the theme song on my desk, the bum, 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 and all the time because it's just always in my head and it's always a movie I go to. It is a feel-good movie. I quote it. It's like a song for me. I know what parts it is just based on what I'm hearing. Like I'll have it on the background. I'll just throw it on randomly and just listen to it. Um, so it... it I can't tell you how much I love this movie. I think if I had just like an action category, like how I did the Christmas ones and my superhero ones, this would be in the action in the top and in the top five of my favorite movies. So I think you guys just got a little spoiler there for when I do my top, uh, I think I'm gonna do top 50 movies. I'm gonna take it really slowly, talk about each one and why it's my favorite, maybe dedicate a whole episode to it and just have this long chronicle of each, maybe in each episode being just one 
specific movie I talk about. I don't know. Could be fun, but um, but really, as a, as growing up with Terminator, seeing the incarnations, Dark Fate was the best after two. So of course it goes two one Dark Fate um, TV show. I did not like Salvation. I really didn't. But I would put it in front of three. So then it would go. Uh, so T two T one Dark Fate TV show. Uh, Salvation 3 and that piece of shit garbage Genesis that they tried to reboot. I mean, I love the actress. Um, God damn, I can't remember her name. It's going to kill me too. And I'll probably remember it and say it on next week's episode. But um, I really did not enjoy that. I think, I, I mean, my initial gut reaction was give it time. And at each viewing, I keep on picking it apart. And I want to say one last time, fuck Terminator Genesis. But so that I mean that was a long rant. I mean shit, we're already 15 minutes into this podcast. You're probably wondering like, what other sequels do you like? You just spent 15 minutes talking about Terminator. But that was for a point because I wanted to get across my love for the second movie and that these movies need to continue what made it good. So we're gonna move on. Okay, I may talk about Terminator later, but we're gonna move on. I love. The Mighty Ducks 2, as you guys have well listened in my second ever episode, which is the second most viewed episode. I love The Mighty Ducks. I think that that's one of the best sports movies, and I told you why I love it. But I love Mighty Ducks 2 over Mighty Ducks 1 or 3. Mighty Ducks 2 is just, for me, it felt like it got more money. It felt like there was more of the machine behind it. It felt like the acting was better. The the the, the cinematography was better. I know it sounded like a snob cinematography. The way it was shot. How about that? I liked the way it was shot. I liked the story. I felt that you had different people coming together. I told you my theories on it. Um, but I think one of my favorite movies, and this is also going to lead back into my top favorite movies of all time. I, I enjoy Ghostbusters 2 over Ghostbusters 1. Um, not by much and it's only off a gut feeling and well not like a gut feeling but like in my gut as a child i know i watched more ghostbusters 2 than ghostbusters 1 i think as an adult i appreciate ghostbusters 1 way more than i appreciate ghostbusters 2 because as an adult i now understand a lot of the jokes of Ghostbusters 1 and I see why Ghostbusters 2 was more geared towards kids and that's why I think it's a flip-flop but I still uh, love Ghostbusters 2. Um, same thing with the Turtles. Growing up as a kid uh, Turtles 1 was a little bit darker a little bit more serious a little bit more at stake. Uh, they had weapons and it was more violent I mean if not a lot more violent like not like Terminator 2 violent but if you didn't know this, in Terminator, or no, sorry, Terminator, in Turtles 2, um, no turtle uses a weapon, like, for violence. In the first scene, Mikey uses cold cut, or uh, the, the, the sausages as his nunchucks. Um, Leonardo only uses his swords to throw them in the ceiling and do, like, a front drop kick while they're hanging. Donatello has his bow staff, but never uses it. And Raph doesn't even have his size. So it's one of those things to where you really see that in the first one, they had a lot more freedom to do what they wanted. Uh, it was a little bit darker. Like in the scene, like, okay, so there's a deleted scene. If you got like the extended anniversary Turtles DVD Blu-rays, um, there's an extended scene and they actually use part of it in the movie. And a lot of people think that it's Raphael in the first movie after Splinter's been captured and they've been... Uh, um, They've been kind of trying to figure it out. Raph's been in a coma. He finally comes out of the coma. And now they kind of have to work and figure shit out. There's like this training montage that you see um, where, well, not, not only montage, but they do four different things. When she's drawing the characters and explaining what they're doing, um, you know, Donatello's working with Casey Jones on the truck. Um, Leonardo is watching over Raph. But there's two more scenes that they cut out, which was from Michelangelo and Raphael. Um, Raphael's was basically waking up. They cut it to that. Like they basically just had him waking up and well, what happened, you know? Uh, but Mikey's was the one that was fully cut. Now Mikey's was what, so they understood. And when they did their testing that every kid, I mean, you ask really any one of my generation and I, you ask them, well, who's your favorite turtle? They're going to say Michelangelo. Cause why wouldn't you? A lot of people maybe say Raph and that's fine. I get it. But majority would say Michelangelo. He's the party dude. He's the funny one. He's the fun guy, but he can also kick ass. He's not like weak in any way. He's just ha wants to have fun. Um, so 
there's a scene though in the first movie where um, they're all doing their thing, and Michelangelo, when when she's drawing him, he's working out on a punching bag, and uh, they try to talk to him, and he's very serious. Um, he doesn't want to talk to anyone. He feels he has to train in order to beat Shredder um, because he knows that it's uh, it was uh, maybe his fault for Shredder uh, or for Splinter getting captured. So he goes on this serious rant. And in the movie, there's a scene where he's on uh, there's a turtle on the roof, and he screams Splinter. That is actually Michelangelo, and you can tell by the rounder face. Um, and, uh, and Michelangelo just has a different look than all the turtles. Um, now, they digitally tried to make the bandana red because they wanted to switch it to Raph, who was the more serious one. And they wanted to have Raph be the guy doing it in the, in the original cut because they felt that if they made Mikey turn mean, kids would steer away going, oh, no, maybe he's not just a fun party dude. So it's a pretty cool thing if you think about that, you know, in Turtles 1, it was a little bit darker. And they took the characters to actually elevate them to a character, not just a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> So, I mean, it was really awesome. But as a kid, I never got that. I never got that. The first one was kind of boring and sad because Splinter gets taken. And, and you know, you have uh, fucking what's-his-name, the, the ginger kid, all fucking stealing and shit. You know, it wasn't very good for, like, morals and stuff because all he did was just beat him up and they showed violence saves a day. So in the second one, because they got so much press for kids my age making nunchucks and swords and bow staffs with like homemade objects and hurting their brothers and sisters. Um, in the second movie, they didn't use weapons. Everything was hand to hand. I mean, uh, there was that scene where, uh, uh, Donatello uses his bow staff against the, um, token razor, but you know, just hit somebody bounces off and he gets tossed 50 feet in the air. So, it is what it is, but I do appreciate Turtles 2. I think they got more money. I think they got more time. I think they got more publicity. I think they spent more caring about giving us a movie, and it to me, just looked better. The, the technology had grown to where the visually it looked better. The puppets were better. Um, and I also, maybe not a popular opinion, but I do not like Corey Feldman, or is it Corey Hammond? Whatever Corey is in, uh, plays Donatello's voice in 1 and 3. And you know, it's funny about that. Um, I read a story, um, and uh, so Corey Feldman, it was Corey Feldman, um, he, he did the Donatello voice um, right when Turtles came out, and he, at the time, and while doing the voice, was so high on heroin that he had to go to rehab. And during the time in which they were filming Turtles 2, Corey Feldman was in rehab. And it's kind of funny because they brought him back for the third movie. And trust me, it was the only reason why was because they had no, they didn't get anyone else. And they had probably a huge budget left over for our voice acting. They're like, shit, just get Corey again. He needs something to do. But it, I didn't like his voice in the first one. I felt it was whiny and high-pitched. Maybe like my voice. Who knows? You guys may think that. Please let me know. Is my voice high-pitched like Corey Feldman as Donatello in Turtles 1 and 3? I don't know. You tell me. But... Um, but I like Turtles too. I think just a little bit more. Um, even as an adult, I like to watch Secret of the Ooze. Now, fuck the third movie. I don't think we're ever going to talk about that because it was supposed to be Turtles in Time and they didn't fucking do it and they ruined it and the, 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 the puppets were terrible and Michelangelo wasn't even in half the movie. It was fucking garbage. Now, I could go on a rant on that fucking movie. I think I could spend a whole episode playing it in the background and like, it's only an hour and a half. You guys can listen to me for an hour and a half. Um, maybe not. I don't know. But I feel that you guys could do a watch along and just we can just tear it apart like a riff track and and, and just, you know, bury that show. Um, oh, ooh. Okay, so those are my sequels. But that right there sparked where I'm going to go next. Now, a little bit of history here. I did a whole episode, which I may release. Who knows? But I think I'm going to get majority of it now. Um, this episode that I'm doing now is actually supposed to be a whole show dedicated to my hate for heroes, the NBC superhero show from circa 2006 to 2010. I don't know when that fucking show finished, but I don't even know where it aired. I caught it on DVDs when it was out. So, um, but I loved it when it first dropped. Um, heroes. The, okay. So let me start over. Okay. Um, well, let me finish my thought. Uh, heroes. I did a whole episode towards it. And when I was listening to it back, I realized that the first half of it was me trying to explain Heroes, the TV show to you guys. Because I don't think really anyone watched it besides me. Everyone who I talked to just pretty much 
oh, I remember seeing that, but I never really watched it. That's usually the response I get. So instead of telling you guys about Heroes, I think you guys, if you're interested, you can go watch it. It's on NBC. It's where I watched it. Um, because I recently, when I did my TV show, uh, top 10 favorite TV shows, it got me thinking like, man, I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, Sopranos, Heroes, 24, um, Breaking Bad. I didn't see, I haven't seen all these in a long time. So I started going through them. Uh, first thing I did was, uh, Sons of Anarchy. I think I told you guys that, um, then I did Heroes, then I did 24 and now I'm doing, uh, Sopranos. And this has been, I think since December, since I think I started this podcast, I think I was in the middle of Sons of Anarchy when I was doing that. And that's in December. So you guys see, I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of things I'm doing up here besides my podcast and uh, apparently just watching TV shows. Um, but so from Sons of Anarchy, 24 Sopranos, those are shows. Those are shows that have depth, have character development, things happen, and they happen for reasons that are understandable and perfectly explained. And then that brings us to heroes. So I, I recently sent a text message to my buddy, Mike, who I'm trying to get on the podcast, by the way, um, talk wrestling movies, etc. you know, but, uh, hopefully he'll come on, but I sent him a text message and it just, you know, sums it up. I'll just say, I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I ever made you sit there or kicked you out of my apartment because I ever wanted to watch the show Heroes. It is garbage, guys. So at the time, I think, again, Marvel has set the standard for what television shows can be and what superhero, sorry, superhero television shows can be. And what superhero movies can be. Now, I will give DC credit, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. All those are great shows. And they also set the standard really high for superhero TV shows. But Heroes came out like right in this middle, kind of around that Spider-Man, first Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. That, again, at the time, I think I really enjoyed because it was the only thing we had and there was nothing better. So it kept on raising this very low bar to mediocre and people were saying it was awesome. That's what Heroes did. Heroes and Lost were these two shows that NBC had where the cliffhanger is what you watch the show for. Usually at the end of every episode, which was usually a long, boring episode that nothing really happened, they would always do something and just tease this last little part to make you want to come back to figure out, oh, well, I got to watch next week now. And that's what Heroes did. And I kept on watching this because when you get done with Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy's twists were subtle and they laid the groundwork each episode. So you could start piecing it together and kind of seeing where they're going. And when Kurt Sutter would see that, he would just change it, but he wouldn't just change it just to change it. He would have A, scenario A, scenario B, to where when things aren't going the way he anticipated while writing and while shooting, he can go, actually, we're going to switch and go this way. It's going to keep the fans guessing and keep them hooked. That's what a good director and creator does. That's what I'm trying to do here, keep you guys hooked. So watching Heroes, that's Tim Kring's creation. Tim Kring did the other show, um, Touch, with uh, Kiefer, which was pretty good. Um, more suited towards talents because Tim Kring's problem was uh, strings that were connected from one point to another and crossing. And each string is independent from each other, but yet at some point they all cross at one point. And you didn't know that the cheerleader is the niece of the Petrellis. And you didn't know that Bennett and everyone was working together. Everything was kind of always being like a mystery man. And this mystery man ends up being someone who you didn't think who is a main character, who's secretly a villain. But then this whole time he was working as a double agent. Like these are lazy, lazy writing techniques. I'm not a good writer. And during the time, though, it made sense for me to watch it because it's the only thing I had. Um, it tried to show what it would be like if random people got superpowers and the chaos it would cause. However, he was more focused. Tim Kring, pronouns pal. Tim Kring uh, is, was more used or more wanting to show what would it be like if they all knew each other but didn't know each other. And then they sprinkled in superpowers on that. Uh, Walking Dead is doing the same thing where Walking Dead was a show about zombies it's no longer a show about zombies. It's a show that has zombies in it, but it's a struggle between now humans trying to rebuild society and who's going to lead and the factions and all that. But remember the first three seasons? All zombies. That's what you were worried about. 
who's going to die next from a zombie bite, not who's going to get who's going to go kill Negan. I don't know. I just feel that the shows that are currently on today, um, I know just Bash Walking Dead, but they're a part of this. From Game of Thrones to Breaking Bad to Sopranos. Oh my God, Sopranos. Such a great show. Um, I can see where it's fizzling out, but the first like three seasons, holy shit, I was hooked. That's what made me keep watching. It's only six seasons too, so not too long of a watch. But really, the shows that are out now, the superhero movies that are out now, the quality of we're not going to accept the limits of being in this medium, whether it's TV or movies, we're going to write things that make sense and people want to watch. So this over-the-top, campy, um, you know, cheesy way of looking at superhero movies and superhero TV shows is now gone. You can make content where you have flawed characters, where your superheroes aren't perfect all the time. I mean, The Boys is the perfect example of what you can do with a superhero television show and not worry about what oh you can't do that with superman because he would never do that he could never batman can't kill anyone that's his code uh let's see here the flash's actual speed is actually this and the speed i mean i do this too like i'm making fun and making a point but the whole point is um heroes took a drama show about random people knowing each other and if you eliminate the powers you're only eliminating about 25% of your content. You can still have serial killers. You can still have the things happen. And uh, they use the superpowers as a crutch. Uh, seasons two, three, four, and five of Heroes, no one died. No one. No main character. Well, sorry. Let me rephrase for you Heroes fans out there like me. Someone did die. Um, so there was this character... Jessica and Nikki, split personality. One of the personalities had superpowers. The other one did not. That's where these, it was a good idea. Okay. Um, however, she made the decision to go and help her, her niece out of a fire, um, which was stupid how they got there. I'm not going to explain that. But um, so she rushes in. And she's got super strength. So she's holding this beam of, of, you know, that's on fire that's in the house. And she's holding them up while the niece can get out. And then it crushes her. Okay, so you were thinking, oh, no, Nikki and Jessica are dead. Wow, they actually did kill someone. How about that? Nope. In the very next season, same actress, Ali Latar, um, you know, Varsity Blues fame, uh, shows up in a skimpy outfit. And we're going, what the fuck? She died. How can she be back? No, this is Tracy, her long lost sister. Fuck you. That's all this show did is every single time. Now, don't get me wrong. The show has great moments. They build towards something and it's their delivery. The last thing I'm going to go off on here is because I think I've been going too much on this. And I, like I said, I had a whole episode, 40 minutes of this, and it just was too much. I think I can cut this down. My number one problem with this is their execution of fight sequences. Tim Kring apparently didn't get the notice that if you have superpowered people in a world, you have to have a superpower beatdown of some sort. There is a scene at the end of season one, again, spoilers, where our main hero, Peter Petrelli, who has the power to have all powers, and our villain, Siler, the best character and the best thing in this show, if you do watch it, he's the only thing worth watching. His power is to have all powers too. So you have two people at the top of the food chain when it comes to superpowers. Okay. I'm talking in this universe, this would be the top two guys. Okay. There is no like intergalactic beings or anything. These are the two strongest humans on earth. Okay. So one of them has the power, Siler. He has the power to uh, freeze you. He has flames. He has telekinesis. He has mind control. He has invisibility. He has uh, voice changing ability. He has everything. And he's been killing superpower people throughout this whole season. Peter is an empath who can absorb the abilities of anyone he comes in contact with. And he's come in contact with a lot. He's nuclear at this moment. Okay. So you have all these powers. Okay. What to use? Chess match time. I have this. What's your counter? No. Instead, their execution of this big leading battle that they've been building towards this whole uh, season, 22 episodes, they've been building towards this one fight. And what do they do? Ladies and gentlemen. Tim Kring's idea of a good fight. I'm going to shit on him some, some more. Tim Kring's idea of a fight is battling with your fists. 
Because when you have superpowers, who needs them? No. We're going to use a fist fight. We're going to punch each other. Kapow, kabang. And, okay, there is a scene where there is a... um, uh, Nikki, the strong girl, who is still alive in season one, she uses like a parking meter. She rips it up out of the ground and swings it at him, which only is a distraction because he just flicks it away with his telekinesis. So why doesn't he just do that against Peter? Why do- Peter doesn't have telekinesis at this time. So he is can't control his opponent. Siler can't. Siler did this in a previous episode. So why not just, boom, grab Peter, bring him to him, slice off his head and win. Oh, that's right, because you you thought that you'd be cute and have a fist fight so it was a little bit fairer for Peter. Unfortunately, what you didn't think of is your audience during this because that was my tipping point. From that moment on, they had four seasons to make that up to me. Um, and they didn't. In the end of season four, Peter and his brother Nathan are on their way to kill Siler. They know where they are. They get them. It's in a hotel room, of course. Why? Because that's where this shit happens. Claire is with them. Claire is the cheerleader from season one who has the ability to heal. She can't die. Okay. So these three are walking up to this room and they're, they're seeing shit happen in the room like lightning's going off and they kick open the door. And Siler is standing there with electricity in his hands, floating pitcher Magneto just with... Us, uh, what's his name? Zachary Quinto. That's all it is. He's just floating there with electricity in his hands, inviting Peter and Nathan for a fight. Now, instead of showing us this fight and showing off the abilities of Siler that he's acquired throughout four seasons of acquiring abilities, no. What they do is they close the door. They they swoop in so fast the doors close. Now you're stuck with the perspective of Claire, and Claire is like, "Oh no, what's happening? That's my uncle and my or my dad and my uncle. Oh no!" And so she gets there, and then all you're seeing is through the door cracks and the keyhole is lightning and and like flickering lights and all this you know hearing all this stuff happening on the other side, and then even in just a peek through the peek hole and watching you know two people flying and one person getting hit and knocked over would have been nice, but no. Once Claire looks through the keyhole to see what's going on, the camera reverses to the other side of the door where all you see is Claire's eye. This is what we call execution. This would be as if we got to uh, the Marvel Avengers, got to Thanos in Infinity War. Okay, that whole great scene on Titan where they're all trying to remove the gauntlet. Imagine if they get there and no one uses their superpowers and they're trying to just kick and punch each other. That's all that happens. Execution. Execution is what killed heroes from their shitty writing to their shitty plans. And who cares if everyone's connected? Once you did it once, every other time is just bullshit. It's lazy writing, poor gimmicks. However, killer superpowers. I think he focused too much on how a power would work in our world versus just having a power. Um, and that, that was also the thing. You, there is still a hero's website up that you can go and look at. And they have page after page after page out of every small ability that was ever talked about or used in their web shows, in their online shows, in the current shows, in the new generation, a new uh, um, whatever the reborn, all of it's there. And I use that when I want to find a cool superpower from one of my stories I'm writing. So it's very fun to look at. However, doesn't care because they never used it right and it was a piece of shit way to, to fucking introduce a character. Oh, look at me. I got this cool power. Nope. Slice. You're dead. I have your power now, which I'll never use. I'm a fucking hoarder of powers. That was Siler. But but that's my rant about heroes. I fucking hate it and I did apologize to my good friend Mike for making him sit there and watch that show with me. I mean, I got to the point I was so obsessed with this show. I think it was on every Monday. And you know what Mondays are? Wrestling. Wrestling started at the time at 7 p.m. Heroes would come on at 8. So when I wouldn't hang out with Mike, I would watch wrestling for an hour, watch Heroes, and then uh, record the rest of wrestling and watch it. Well, one night, which he so happily reminded me while we were talking about this, apparently I invite him over to hang out, play Madden, watch wrestling. I just got off work. I was working overnights or uh, yeah, overnights at this time. And I said, before we do anything, I want to watch Heroes first. Mike said, no, you can watch it after I leave. I don't want to watch that. And I was like, actually, if you don't want to let me watch this, you can go ahead and leave. I kicked him out 
so I could watch Heroes first. That's how obsessed I was with this show. It really spoke to me. And in 2020, after rewatching this, I mean, how many years later, 14 years later after it aired, you just see the leaps and bounds we have taken in our nerddom and how much we now care about doing superpower shows, people with superpowers, comic book superpowers, whatever it is, we do it right. And this time, I think that everything, well, not this time, but now in this time, I think that we can do it right. I think that we have the source material to take and adapt to the current times. Um, I know X-Men is going to be the new reboot of X-Men is going to be awesome because I think they're not going to focus on what they've been focusing on in every, every other X-Men movie. Um, I'm excited to see where the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes. I think that they can introduce now and say we did all of the commonly known superpower people. Stark, Captain America, Hulk, Thor. We did them all. We'll remember those. But now we have to talk about because it's a continuation. So most times in comic book movies you'll see that they reboot the world or we go into a different alternate universe or where just things are slightly different but the same. You know, it's what a Spider-Man does a lot. But what I say that they do is just continue. And instead of saying that, you know, um, these comic books which took place during the same time since we didn't use them, why not just have it take place after? Like I know that a lot of the interactions, a lot of reworking can be done, but the basis story can be there and you can still have recalls back to the first generation of super. It's just the next generation. Instead of rebooting, retelling, giving me the same shit in a different form. Why don't you tell me a new story with the people you didn't use? It's all I'm asking for. I think this continuation, like there's 23 Marvel movies. I think that's why I get pissed off at movies that set me up for a sequel and don't deliver or have a shitty sequel. Marvel understood from the day one that they did this. Well, not really day one. It was actually after Iron Man. He was like, oh, shit, we're onto something. But um, they kind of had a plan. Telling a story over 23 different movies, having them intertwine, interconnect, talk about each other, reference the things that happened, just so you think that there's this giant world. It's like, an, like when Grand Theft Auto first came out, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, Liberty City. That changed open world games. In fact, I think that was like the first time an open world game tested its boundaries and showed its limits. And every year a Grand Theft Auto Red Dead Redemption game comes out, I think the one thing I'm always amazed with is the world it creates. I love extended universes. I love canon i mean i mean not to the point if i'm gonna read a book about it but i can read the cliff notes and get the general gist of the information that you need to absorb but i mean i'm not a book guy so sorry i'm a movie guy so give me the movies i'll watch it um but so this continuation though of these stories and the 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 way that the movies can tell you not everything but tease you enough to come back to the next one i think captain america 2 uh, Winter Soldier does this so perfectly. And again, since I was not keen on a lot of the things that they were setting up, or I was thinking that a condition to think that they're not going to go 23 movies deep into a story. It's usually one, two, and three. Captain America 2 did everything perfect to tell the story of the universe that they're in, that when Captain America goes rogue and goes against the grain, that affected everyone. Everyone knew about that. I mean, they had Tony Stark. They, they mentioned Stephen Strange. They were setting up this world that they're in where all of them are there. You know, and that's why when the DC and this whole Sony thing with Spider-Man and, and the studio is the only thing getting in the way of us having the perfect superhero movies, I think it's bullshit. But hopefully with the Eternals and uh, Thor 4 and because they're handing mantles off. They're transitioning into the next phase, phase four. So I hope it's going to be good. Um, but and, and I think that's the reason why I hated Hero so much on the rewatch is because of what we now have, the boys, Marvel Universe, DC shows, all this good stuff, Star Wars. Um, just goes to show that Heroes just did not uh, stand the test of time and really deserves to die a slow, painful death and I do believe that was the last time. I may give it a watch later as nostalgia, but I don't think I'm going to go through the whole series. Maybe just season one. I do say that the first 21 episodes of season one are good. The 22nd is garbage. And ever since then, Rider Strike, all that's garbage. Uh, but um, that's really um, what I wanted to talk about today. Some movie sequels that I liked um, and really shit on Heroes. 
Um, I, I mean, if we had the time, I know you guys probably don't want to go me to go for hours on this show. Um, but if I, you really have a sit down conversation with me and you really start asking me questions, if you're a heroes fan, you can start asking me questions. I'll start going off. And I, I remember no joke. Like when I was rewatching this, like I remember everything. I mean, it was so shitty. And I mean, they had just such good. Anyway, I could, again, I think it's just more disappointment. Uh, the disappointment that when you when you liked something so much and you just let it sit there in this I like it category and it's not going to move from there. And when you rewatch it and you're still trying to defend why the fuck did I like this? Ugh, you're almost sad. You're almost sad yourself because I now hold because of Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and Dexter and Sons of Anarchy and Sopranos, uh, all shows I've watched after Heroes. Um, you know, those are the shows you got to put in there that are rewatchable. Um, even though they're dated, they still fit anything you're watching. They're almost callbacks to a nostalgic point to where that nostalgia doesn't piss you off. You know, because I can remember being I had Heroes posters. I had their box set, their Blu-rays. I bought everything Heroes. I had the necklace of the symbol. I only wore it for a couple of weeks and I lost it, but I was obsessed. Um, I worked at Blockbuster at this time, so if you walked in and said, "Hey, what show do I? Could, what's a good show there, Shoney?" I'd be like, "Heroes." I actually remember specific. Okay, so I could probably go into a lot of stories about Blockbuster, but there is specifically one. It's also going to tie into a GameStop story I have. Um, at working at Blockbuster, and I suggested Heroes to a nice couple. They weren't like old; they were 30s, 40s. You know, they weren't. They didn't seem too out of touch with how tv shows and movies are i mean this was 2006 2009 so i suggested it to them and they bring it back uh like that night i was like damn you guys finished them like and they go no 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 we're here to return them and uh, i know you gave us a suggestion so i was hoping you can give me like an exchange out we want to watch something else and i was like well yeah definitely if i gave you a suggestion you took it home came right back you didn't enjoy it i'm not going to force you to that i can do a quick exchange you know if you guys are, are cool with that and so, um, but I asked them, what was the reason why you guys didn't like heroes? Was it just, you guys didn't like superpowers? He goes, she goes, no, it was the violence. I'm all like violence. Like I was trying to think about like the first couple episodes and the only th scene I can think of in the first couple episodes that were violent is they showed a murder scene with, um, a couple sitting at a dinner table, frozen solid and their heads cut off. And I'm going like, damn. Uh, maybe I'm just desensitized to that shit. Maybe it's something I look forward to give me that, that extra realism and shit. And I don't know, it just weirded me out. But it reminded me then when I was in that moment, and it still reminds me of today, working at GameStop, where um, a nice lady um, asked for a, a kid-friendly game. And I suggested the um, Star Wars Lego games. I asked if they was in Star Wars or Indiana Jones or if he knew about these other the actual the content what the game's about, and she's all like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know." Um, so I suggested Star Wars. Now in Star Wars, you play as either a lightsaber, you know, or a pistol or a, 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 a pistol blaster. Excuse me, I do have my nerd card blaster. Um, so. Uh, and then again, the next day I'm working and she comes back and she, she's happy that I'm there. Oh, thank God. It's me. Remember me from yesterday? I was like, oh no, did he not like, like the game? And she goes, no, I asked you for a kid friendly game. And this game is just too violent for him. And like my coworker and slash manager was working with me at the time. And like, I don't have like a problem. I, I remain mostly calm in that. I just kind of, I, I did the wrong thing and kind of like scoffed and laughed. I was like, violent. And, and I, I want to know more because that's just me and how I kind of work with public and in customer service. I do care. And because I care, I want to know why. Uh, so that way, one, I cannot make that mistake in the future because if it is violent, I want to know if I'm suggesting violent games to kids. I don't want to do that. And two, I also want to help explain why I thought it was a kid's game so they got why I suggested it. So she said in the game, when you're one of the heroes and you shoot at one of the white guys, stormtroopers, um, not racist, but white stormtrooper, um, he explodes when you kill him. And that is just too violent for me. Like if they just had him like fall over still in all his pieces, um, I would be okay with that. But because they explode when they, when you kill them, um, 
to me that's like you know in if you actually watch star wars like that would be like a person dying and i don't want him to think that you know killing anything is okay and i'm all like wow i guess i just don't think about that i mean i know my parents tried to keep me sane as a kid and not like overexposed me to violent things and i was never ever exposed to anything violent in person the only violence i ever saw was on tv and from day one i knew tv most of it unless you're watching the news which is way more violent than anything you could put in a movie um i kind of just knew it was fake like i knew that things hurt like i got hurt i broke bones throughout my body as a child i know it was like to fall downstairs so when you watch a comedian fall downstairs and not hurt himself you go yeah but possibility of getting hurt so my parents knew mortal Kombat they gave me they gave me it and saw how i reacted versus never exposing me to it they exposed me to it and saw how i reacted if I started, you know, ripping out my my stuffed animals' heads and saying, you know, you know holding it up like uh, Sub Zero does when he rips his head off, or or emulating anything, they would have taken it away and explained why I can't have it. And of course, I wouldn't have understood at the time. But that's what my parents did: is they didn't not allow, they didn't allow, they never took anything away from me or stopped me from going anywhere, to just because they wanted me to have the experience. And if I could handle it, then they explained to me. You have to be mature enough to handle it, like with curse words. And I was bad with that because it's just words. But I was never violent as a kid. If anyone knows me, I'm like not violent. I don't like fighting. I don't like physical contact. I'm just not that person. Even though I like physical contact sports, I can appreciate that. But I'm not one to get violent. I If I never go to that violent place, I, I don't think I've, I think I've maybe been in like three or four ever fights. I don't think I've won any of them. So I know it sucks and I don't like getting hit in the face and I don't like doing anything violent. So I never did that to anyone else. But the people who don't expose their kids to these violent things or at least show them and explain to them because you're the fucking adult here, you know, that, hey, that's not a real person that you are killing. It's in a video game and that's a Lego. It's a Lego. Calm down. I know we have the memes of Karens going on and I really wish the memes and all this shit was around in 2006 because ma'am, I've met some Karens in my day. I tell you what, I tell you what, but so we're about 52 minutes now into the podcast and I think it's time to wrap things up. I've been talking for an hour, which is always the funnest for me. I love talking. That's why I do this podcast. And I think that I got a lot off my chest today. A lot of things I like talking about. I am going to go into more detail when I when I about movies. I know I touched on some and over talked on others, um, but that's what happens on these podcasts. I just talk and talk and whatever comes out comes out. Hopefully, that's what's going to happen. So, but I want to thank you guys for showing up tonight, um, today. Whenever you listen to this, um, it's weird because I always say I record things live, but nothing's ever live. Well, it's live for me, but it's not live for you. Um, so I, I want to wish you guys. Um, awesome trails, my cheese curds. Uh, this has been fun. I really think I enjoy this. I think I, I think I, uh, especially once I get going, I think my flow starts better. But these podcasts, man, I'm, I'm I'm starting to listen to other people's and trying to pull in different things and trying to get more of a, you know, I don't have to be so on top of things. I can just talk. You know, I I think that that's what I, I see a lot of podcast people doing, especially when they're doing ones where they also do the YouTube. I think I see a lot of people doing the more just, so what if you take like two seconds to think, you know, I think that you may be thinking about something good to say, something funny to say, but, uh, this show is so cathartic. I love this. Thanks for showing up. Of course, I'm going to steal this. My friends. Now, hopefully I'll have PJ on soon. Uh, we've been talking about getting him back on the show. And every single time I do my goodbye, I always want to say my friends, but I think that's copyright infringement. That's gimmick infringement. So I'm going to go ahead and stick to what I say. I am the best in the world at what I do. And what I do is talk. Ladies and gentlemen, you stay classy and stay tuned to the next episode. Take care.